Good morning. Well, as you can tell, there's something unique happening here today. And I just want to say it's increasingly becoming more and more of a regular thing, right? To just, do you sense something different about this place, about this morning? I think it's because God is at work in your lives. And his word is being honored and lifted up. It's about two things, right? It's about following Christ, relationship with Christ, and it's about staying in his word, the truth of his word. So we've been in a series that we're concluding today. I don't know, some of you might be happy about that. Those of you who, who are done talking about relationships, uh, some of you might, might be sad about it, but we're concluding bold intimacy today. It's no coincidence that we started this off, and I believe talking about something special about loving God, following him with our life, and then loving others. And we were talking about Craig's dad. Craig shared just his heart in a song for his father. And that was the first week that we started the series, Bold Intimacy. And we get to end it today talking about Coach a little bit, Joe Floyd. And in between, we got to honor a couple in our church who, and hear, you know, about their story, about what it means to just say, God, like, I, I'll, I'll trust you. And whatever it is you have for me, I, I trust you and I'll, I'll be with you. And so Steve got up here last week. If you missed it, uh, make sure you go online and listen to that. I saw the Lord move. And it's an honor just to be a part of it. This morning, I'm going to invite two ladies up if they're ready. Uh, my wife, Myra, and Britt Serene. You guys give them a hand as they come up. Because you can't, you can't have the guys share about marriage and following God and loving one another and not hear from the ladies, right, ladies? <laughs> so we'll get to hear the true side of the story. But let me read this. Proverbs 31. A wife of noble character, 3110, who can find she is worth far more than rubies. Her husband was full, has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. I'm so thankful that we have many women in our church that meet that description. And, of course, Proverbs is talking about wisdom there. But it's using, it's using the wife as an example of that. And so we get to hear from two wise ladies this morning. I'll hand this off to you. Good morning. So Steve shared his testimony last week. You know, now it's time for us women, you know, to come forward and, and, and share our responsibility as a godly wife and a godly woman. A husband and wife are equal complementary roles. And a lot of times in our society, that can be misinterpreted. There's a part of in scripture that we are to be submissive to our husbands and that that doesn't mean that we as wives don't have a voice that means that we work towards oneness together now if there's a situation where there's abuse now that's completely different um, so please um, definitely take note of that but in genesis 2 18 then the lord god said it is not good that the men should be alone i will make him a helper fit for him so the, the first question I'm going to just start out with, should a wife influence her husband? Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> now, with God first, besides the Holy Spirit, the wife should be the biggest influencer on her husband. Both are image bearers of God. He made male and female with co to be complementary, not competitive. So we heard from Steve last week. Now, this is really unscripted, just to let you guys know. Britt and I are relying completely on the Holy Spirit to lead us this morning. As Britt, I'm just going to share a little bit. Most of you are, that don't know, they have four young boys. 
Mm -hmm. They had around five doctor's appointments this week on top of meltdowns and, and many other things. <laughs> yes. Those that know me, I work full-time and I have a part-time job. So time for us to come together to actually rehearse, that just wasn't possible. So I said, Britt, that's okay. That's okay. We're just going to be a conversational style, mm -hmm. and we're just going to be truthful mm -hmm. in our own experiences and let the, the Spirit lead us. Now that I shared just a tad <clears throat> bit about Britt, tell us a little bit more about um, just you. Okay. Um, well, my, um, my childhood was pretty awesome. Um, I did not really ever have to want for anything, kind of like Steve's childhood. Um, uh, I was involved in sports. Um, I was involved in a lot of things, actually, too many things. Um, I, I did not understand how to set a lot of boundaries for myself, um, and so I kind of wound up constantly finding myself overcommitting myself to things. Um, I, uh, I loved, you know, like, to-do lists. My family was like this, um, like a machine, it felt like. Um, we didn't really rest a lot. We just kind of went, went, went until we crashed. Um, but you looked so successful. But we looked so successful. Um, and I looked successful. I mean, I had great grades. I had friends. I had sports. I was involved in all these wonderful things. Um, but I was striving for this constant perfection um, and constantly trying to, like, control everything. And, um, you know, on the outside looking in, I looked like this happy kid. Uh, my mom would say, like, when I was eight years old, she was like, gosh, I could have, like, eight of you. My brother, on the other hand, was just, like, this wild child. She was like, oh, you know, only one of him. But, like, I could totally have eight of you. You're just, you know, so easy. Um, but what they didn't know was that inside I had all of this stuff that I was struggling with um, and you know just never feeling good enough and by the time I was 13 or 14 I had like eating disorders that were starting by the time I was 15 16 they were like in full-on just this manifestation of just lack of control in my life and not understanding how to deal with it because um, women none of us struggle with control yeah right? or you perfectionism. Know. <laughs> If you can't control, like, everything going on in your life, it was easy to be like, oh, well, I can control this one other thing. Um, so, anyways, um, you know, during this time, it was kind of like, where did this, like, happy-go-lucky kid go? You know, all of a sudden, it's like every parent's worst nightmare. Like, their kid was melting down at 19 years old, and um, they would try to confront me about it, and I would just, like, shut down. Confrontation was not something that I was comfortable with in any form or fashion. And so, unfortunately, what happened was I wound up taking that, all those expectations of perfection, but lack of being able to cope and confront anything, you know, that I felt that was not perfection into my marriage, so. So, you and Steve meet. Mm -hmm. You guys, um, dated for about four months it was super fast okay okay <laughs> we so don't when really you know, do you know right half, half speed there's like one speed for team sharon and it's just like ah, full speed ahead yeah. so you're madly in love everything's mm -hmm. great you get engaged you get married mm -hmm. and then kids come and what happens oh man well um you know, I took 
all of those expectations into marriage that it was going to be perfect. We got married super young, so, you know, everyone was probably a little skeptical. Um, there was no faith to back it up. We were just like, nope, we love each other. This is going to be great. We're going to be there for each other, like, through thick and thin. Like, this is the best thing ever. And then it was just, like, the realities of marriage set in and the realities of life and confrontation, daily confrontation with each other um, that I honestly was just, it, for me, it was superficial. Like, there was just this superficial level where, like, I would only let Steve kind of know so much or get so far um, because I was wildly uncomfortable with it. Um, and so kids came, stressors, lack of sleep. Um, and have you ever noticed that when you're dating, you know, it seems like everything's great, mm-hmm. and then you get married? And did you notice that Satan, if you take it back to scripture, Satan never bothered Adam until he got married. I feel like that's us. And you know why? Because Satan wants to interfere with the plan of God. Marriage is God's plan and God's will. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if any of you have ever listened to Dr. Tony Evans, um, but during Larry and I's most terrible, horrible times of marriage, I have to admit it was our first year. And it was terrible. It was horrible. Um, and Dr. Tony Evans was something that I just played as loud as I could. And I had a, two, a, a 10-month-old in the back seat. And, you know, later on when he became two, he remembered Tony Evans. He said, Mama, turn it up. Turn it up. And I think that's back to when he was 10 and he could hear me. Just turn it up in the car. But so Dr. Tony Evans, I remember these words from him. And it says, God's purpose for the marriage institution is for families to be built to influence society's society's well-being from now until history. So there's no greater thing for Satan to try to do than to destroy our marriage. And with that comes the start of having children. Mm -hmm. And then not only that, but we bring all of our baggage. Each of us have baggage that we bring into our marriage. And then it starts to manifest if it's not dealt with. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you guys were at. Yeah, um, it, you know, I think around year three, like, I started to, to realize that we needed, we needed something more, we needed help, we needed counseling, and I brought that up, and I brought going to church, and Steve was just, like, absolutely not, like, not doing any of those things, and so. I think it was more like, oh, heck no. Yeah, 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 (laughs) um, but, um, you know, like, we, I, we persevered and persevered, and, um, you know, I just kept thinking to myself, like, you just cannot, like, let anybody see that this is anything less than perfect, um, you know, because for me, that was the standard. Um, I mean, even, like, my own family, I would just, like, put on this, like, straight face, you know, um, and so that was, that was hard. Yeah, so you created this facade for yourself. Yeah, and oh, you yeah. And you built up walls, mm-hmm. you didn't let anyone see what was going on. Mm-hmm. So, you guys came to a point where you said, okay, we need counseling. We need to go to church. Steve's like, no way. Yeah. So you made the decision to pack up the kids and head home. Yeah, so I, it was one of those, it was like an easy out. So my parents had come to visit us, 
and they were heading back down to Georgia, and Steve was studying for a big test, and I was like, you know, we'd been fighting so much at this point and not making any headway, and um, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to ask my dad if I can go down to Georgia with him and kind of play it up on the fact that Steve has all this studying to do for advancement in the Coast Guard. And, um, you know, of course, my dad was like, sure, Britters, come on down to Georgia with us. You know, like, we'll, we'll play outside with the kids and whatever. And so um, I went down there, but they obviously didn't really know what was going on. And once I got down there, you know, um, my mom and I started having all these heart-to-hearts. And she kind of started, she knew I wasn't really happy, but she also knew that I had all these walls up. And so she started asking these harder questions. And it was just like, it was in the course of like one morning that the walls just like totally came down. And I just like, it was just like word vomit everywhere. And she, I mean, she's sitting there just like this. Oh my God, like th- my, my child, you know, like is in so much pain and, um, you know, her marriage is crumbling. And um, so she was in total fight or flight mode and she was just like, okay, like, you know, not really sure what to do, but, like, you deserve better than this for sure. Like, this is not okay. And um, so it was just, like, really fast. It was, like, over the course of one morning, I was, like, I'm, I'm like, never going back. I, I did not want to confront him at all. I knew in my heart that I'd asked him over and over again to, to you know, help us. So I was, like, you know, we need to do counseling. We need to go to church, something, anything. And, you know, it was just that point of, like, I had gotten to this place where if he wasn't going to, you know, want to do those things, like, how much more could I take? And granted, remember, there's no faith foundation at all, really. So... And as a mother's natural instinct to Mm -hmm. protect her child. Mm -hmm. And the world is saying, the grass is greener on the other side, you know, all these things, you know, go chase after what makes you happy, which had already been a big issue in my heart for a long time. You know, I would chase things that I felt like would bring me happiness. Um, and I was super impulsive. And at that moment, it wasn't your marriage. It wasn't marriage that was making you happy. Yeah. Yep. So you come to the decision oh, yeah. that... <laughs> I'm not going to go home. <laughs> I'm not going to go home. <laughs> So my dad is like, um, my dad always calls me Britters, but he was like, Britters, you cannot, like, just walk away from this. You know, he was like, you have to go back, you have to try, you have to do marriage counseling and work on it before you can throw the towel in on something like this. You know, like, this is, this is your life, you guys have children, and you made these promises. And um, so, anyways, Steve flew down to Georgia drove us all back home, like he said, most awkward car ride of our lives, like eight hours in a car, where I'm just like, you know, staring out the window, and he's like, you know, I read this book on the five love languages, like, maybe we should start communicating, and I'm just like, nope, nope, like the whole way home. So at this point, (laughs) when you're at this point, and he knows that you've gone home, Mm -hmm. this is when he's like, oh, crud, I better get my act together. Like, I'm on the verge of losing my family. Yeah, and I had told him, so you guys heard last week, too, how we had that, um, it was like a mother's helper who came into our house for uh, a few times a week to help us with the kids, and her husband just so happened to be a youth pastor. Well, while, while I was in Georgia, I made the decision. I was just like, I'm going back to church. Like, I'm not going to let Steve 
keep me from going to church because he won't come. I have to get over the fact that this might be something I'm going to do on my own. And at that point, I didn't know, um, like church for me, I went to church for like two or three years growing up. Um, and, you know, I loved it. It was great. We went on Sundays, um, but that was pretty much the extent of it. And I didn't ever really know that there was a difference in just going to church on a Sunday and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. There was not, I just, that wasn't something that I really was exposed to or saw. And so for me, when I, I, I called Steve and I was like, I'm going back to church or I'm going to start going to church again and I'm taking the children with me and I don't care if you're coming. And he said, well, let me come with you. And I was like, this is going to last like two seconds. Um, and uh, anyways, but for me, it was also, um, I'm going to go to church, but church to me meant that I was going to go on Sunday and get cute and dressed up and leave feeling super great about myself and go home for the rest of the week and not really behave any differently. So, so you guys go to church together. We go to church together. And you get home. Mm-hmm. This was the Sunday that Steve went down to the altar call at the end of service, which just blew my mind. I was like, something's happening. Like, my husband went down to the altar, you know. So at this moment, he's surrendering, and he's mm -hmm. asking God, like, okay, God, like, I need your help. Like, yeah. my marriage is about to crumble, yeah. and I need your help. Yeah. So you guys get home. Yeah. And Steve looked at me, and he goes, I don't know where you stand on this, but he was like, I'm all in. And I just stood there, and I was like, uh, oh, boy. Like, <laughs> Brit's, so Britt and I briefly talked about this, and at this moment, she's like, I don't know if I want to be all in. I, I just want to yeah. go to church and feel good and get dressed in my cute clothes that I don't get to wear all week because yeah. I'm home with babies. Yeah. And so I was like, there's a difference. So that was like a turning point where then you had to look in the mirror. Yeah. Um, so we went to bed that night, and um, Steve and I joke around because I feel emotions, like, with my whole body. Um, and uh, so anyways, I was just feeling so devastated at the fact that this marriage, that I wanted to be perfect, I didn't want anyone to see it any differently, had already crumbled. Like, you know, I'd been sitting there spackling over the cracks for five years, trying to make it look like there was nothing wrong. And... It was just crumbling. I mean, any of y'all know, spackle does not last forever. <laughs> um, and so I was sitting there in bed, and um, just, like, the, the emotional pain that I felt, like, my body ached. And Steve had already gone to bed, and I opened up my Bible, and I just started reading in one of the Gospels. And um, it was just that moment of, like, I'm, I'm going to have to, like, relinquish the control of trying to control this, and I'm going to have to give it to him, and I'm going to have to give everything to him to do it. And that was the moment of just total surrender for me. And um, it was cool because that night I tucked myself into bed, I put the blanket over me, and, you know, after I read the Bible, um, it was literally like all of the pain just, like, went away. And I just had this, like, peace that somehow, some way albeit I knew it was going to be super painful to walk through this, but that it was all going to be okay. So, 
that was. And we had briefly spoken too about this. Um, at that point, like you realize that the thing that gets us in the most trouble in our marriage are the silent expectations that we have for one another. Mm-hmm. And those things have to be addressed together yeah, and not on our own, but as putting God as the forefront of our marriage. Mm-hmm. And so in your marriage, it's not just you and Steve. It's that that's when you guys came together and decided, okay, like we're going to put him first. Yeah. Like we're going to put him at the top of our marriage. Mm-hmm. And with us in it, and you explained to me that you have it as a triangle. Mm-hmm. And if one of you are falling down on each side of that triangle, mm-hmm. at least one of you are still mm-hmm. up. It pulls the other one up. Back up to, to God. Mm-hmm. And I loved that um, just illustration that you gave me because as we all know, once we come to Christ, that doesn't mean everything's perfect. No. That's when Satan really comes in, and he tries to give you a beating even more. Yeah. So during that time, you know, I'd been pointing the finger at Steve. It was really easy to do that, um, because I was the one who was like, we need to get counseling, and we need help, and Steve was like, no, 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 no. So, you know, we get to this point where everything's broken, and I'm just like, this is all your fault. Like, you know, you ruined it. It wasn't me. Um, but we get to this moment um, where both of us have totally surrendered. And, you know, I'm still, like, you know, it, it was a process. Like, it was just, like, I started waking up, and I would look in the mirror, and, you know, I would just, I started to see myself and, like, what I was really like and really struggling with, and it was ugly. It was not sugar-coated at all, and it was just, like, the glass shattered, and I was just, like, holy smokes, like, you've been pointing the finger at him all this time, but, um, you know, these concepts of, you know, how a wife should behave, and, um, you know, how she should encourage her husband, and be a part of the team, and let him lead, Lord, y'all, I, um, this was like two years ago, but I finally had this moment where I came to Steve in tears, and I was like, I think I get it. Like, all this time, I've been trying to, like, control where you lead us instead of actually letting you lead. Like, I would not trust that you would lead us in a good direction. I was still somehow trying to control that, and he was just like, yeah, I know. (laughs) I live with you. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Um, so can you back down a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I was like, okay, you know, like, what does it mean to be a good wife? What does it mean to submit and surrender and let him lead? And, um, you know, with I, I still struggle with that mindset of trying to do things perfectly. And so, unfortunately, what happened um, for me was that I was like, all right, well, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. The holy hush, <laughs> just like, you know, Steve's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, so this is where <laughs> she took the term of biblical submission to mm-hmm. just completely not saying anything at all. Yeah, I was like, I'm not, you know, I, if I can't say it with grace, um, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to say it. And so, I mean, he would literally come to me and be like, why aren't you talking to me? And I would just like tears. I'm like, but I can't talk to you, you know, like you don't want to have any idea what's actually, like, what the thoughts are up here. Um, 
And so I had to come to this place where, like, I was okay, you know, with that confrontation um, and saying, like, I'm not okay with this and realizing that that's me being part of the team. Like, I have to be able to speak up, too. Um, and that's just a learning process. I mean, that's just, that's, for someone like me who does not like confrontation at all, that's a big deal. I mean, marriage is daily confrontation, learning how to work with each other. Mm-hmm. And it starts out with the biggest thing is forgiving one another, mm-hmm. forgiving one another for the previous hurts mm-hmm. and all of those silent expectations that we've carried in our minds that we thought our spouse should have just naturally known and mm-hmm. naturally done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had talked about, you know, forgiveness in, in Ephesians 2.8, like for it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's a gift from God. Yeah. So it's forgiving your spouse, and because what, before you can move on mm-hmm. with those steps and, and having the respect of being submissive to your spouse, you have to let go of the bitterness and the hurt that you've been holding mm-hmm. on to, and that doesn't start until you forgive them. Yeah, I think of it as like an onion, like you're peeling back the layers of an onion, And, you know, like, at first, like, you might notice, like, an itch in your eye, and then the second layer comes off, and then we start to water a little bit. You know, the third layer, you know, more and more liquids pouring from those eyes, and by the fourth layer, you're just, like, the tears are flowing. And so I kind of like to think of it like that because it's it's like we, we learned how to address and still are learning how to address those actual heart issues, which previously, you know, if you'd said heart issue before we came to know Christ, Steve and I would have been like, what? Like, is it cardiovascular? Like, you know, (laughs) what's wrong, you know? (laughs) So so where are you guys at um, right now? Right now. Um, Walking day by day, uh, forgiving. Um, I think that when we do fight, it looks completely different um, in respect to that we're able to um, to sit down and or not sit down in some cases, like take you know five or ten minutes and like gather ourselves, gather the thoughts because we know that sometimes if we sit down and we're hot headed, we're gonna say things that we don't mean. Um, so the communication is a lot better, and we'll also say things which is like mind blowing. It's <laughs> so basic, y'all, but it's like you know earlier when I said that it was because you made me feel like this. And it's like the basics of communicating, y'all. I mean, it's so simple, but it's just mind-blowing to me how quickly things can get blown out of proportion when you assume or expect that person to know what it is that you're feeling or what you need or want. I remember last week Steve saying, I'm not a mind reader. Yeah, like all the time. Yeah, and um, so... But something that you have done, and I encourage all women to do this, um, is to seek out other godly women. Yes. Um, it's, you know, in Titus 2, it says older women should train younger women. Um, and not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean age of women. That means maturity in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um they put their trust in God, and, and they accepted the authority of their husbands. Mm-hmm. And by that, um, seeking out other women, um, 
because we want to be that woman. Yeah. So that's so important in our relationships um, to spend time in prayer, mm-hmm. to seek out those godly women, um, to spend time in his word. Mm-hmm. Because being in love and in relationship with our husband, our spouse, is a daily decision and a daily commitment. Yeah. I think of it in terms of, um, you know, when I get bogged down in with motherhood or whatever, and, you know, I'm trying to open my Bible to read a quick passage or something, and, you know, all heck breaks loose with the kids, and it it doesn't happen. I remind myself that just because, like, it didn't look the way that I wanted it to look, like, sometimes it's just, like, I'll put it up on the windowsill, you know? It doesn't mean that it has to be me sitting down with a hot cup of tea and all the kids are, like, in their rooms quietly playing, maybe a candle's lit. Like, that's not my reality right now, but I think of it in terms of if I went a week without talking to Steve, I would be a wreck. I would be like, what's happening? Like, you know, are we okay? So if I go a week without talking to God, it's... I mean, that's more, even more important, you know? So it, it is. It's staying in the word and surrounding yourself with right. women who have walked this path before. Right. So. Proverbs thirty-one, twenty-six. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instructions with kindness. She's wise, not just the foolish woman, the loud woman, the contentious woman the combative woman. She's not the woman who Proverbs says is like a dripping faucet. She has wisdom and prudence and humility and godliness and appropriate prudent speech. Our husbands need to be able to listen to us Mm -hmm. because God created us as a helper to him and we are an influence as well to him. It's easier for our husbands to listen to us when we work on our tone and our character, when we're not gossipy, mm-hmm. we're not talking about issues that other people have, we're not bashing our husbands to our best friends, mm-hmm. which I, early on in, in my marriage, that was the first thing that I would do is call my best friend and can you believe what he did? And he did this and um, it didn't get me anywhere. That only created animosity between my friend, and if that were your mom, mm-hmm. then that just creates animosity towards yeah. your husband that then, in return, they have to work through. Um, and we're not quarrelsome. Proverbs twenty one nineteen, which Larry had shared, it's better, part of it is, it's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining <laughs> wife. <laughs> yes, and I've been there. I've been that quarrelsome, complaining wife. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, I wrote out this example. When your husband gets home, if he has to worry which one of you he's getting tonight, do I get the nice woman or the wicked witch? Guess what he's going to want to do? He's going to want to turn around and walk right back out that door. He went to husband she wants her husband to be able to trust her. Mm-hmm. God wants us to be able to enrich the lives of our husbands. We bring him good. 
would bring him no harm all of the days of our life. It's a, a wife that he can trust with anything. And that's a lot of responsibility for us as women. But in return, it's a lot of responsibility for our husbands to be the leader of our home and to know that he is the one to make the decisions for our household. And if we are the wicked witch <laughs> that evening, which I'm guilty of, honestly, what, what kind of leadership does that want our husband to carry on? Not a very good one. No. So I had written um, this just in my quiet time. Um, here's the key, ladies. And this is something that I have to work on daily. We want to be a good wife. Guess what? We need to open this thing up. Not think that our time with the Lord is grabbing a book that was written by somebody else. Now, don't get me wrong. That Those are great. The Bible studies are great. We do that. We listen to other speakers. But we need to be in the word with God and not supplement it for something else. Because, back again, we need to be able to influence our husbands in a powerful way for our families, for our children. And what other great example for our sons and our daughters to see than for their parents to be able to work through things together. It doesn't mean they're perfect. And Amy and I had even shared, um, Amy Shuffled, I can see her back there, but she would be great up here with me. Um, but she had shared something a couple weeks ago. I want our children to be able to see that we can work through issues together. Right. And that was one of my biggest problems with marriage, and, and Britt had even shared this with me, is that my family taught me to sweep things under the rug. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up with, you know, my parents were great. They were loving. There was not abuse. Um, they raised me to be a very confident, very independent person, which that creates its own struggle in marriage. <laughs> Everything's mine, 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 mine. <laughs> um, but, um, but to be able to work through things and show our children in a biblical way, not in a hasty, yep. yelling, fighting, we've been there, we know. So I say, women, to, for us to be careful um, in the way that we influence and use our power in our husband's lives, because we're keeping this PG-13, us as women, we have quite a bit of power yeah. against our husbands. And we can work that for our benefit at times. Mm -hmm. Because that's how our husbands were created. God created them differently than us. So... I encourage you to pray to be in his word and not to manipulate in ways that are hurtful and that harm our, our relationships. Um, and we want to leave the greater work to God. We can't do it all on our own. Let the Spirit lead us. So Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I have a little bit of a short twist, and I know that we're running out of time, so I, I just want to do this very 
quickly, and I'm sorry, please forgive me for taking us longer, but could I get Heather and Doris to come up here with me for just a minute? I want to do a short, brief illustration to show you guys. From the outside in, looking at our marriages, a lot of us may seem like we have it perfect. So I, I, had, I had someone once say to Larry and I, you know, when we were younger and we were 30s, before I had gray hair and before I had, you know, the crow's feet hair, they would say, but you and Larry, you guys look like you have model children and everything's perfect in your lives. Well, people had no idea that from the beginning of our marriage, we dealt with losing a mother-in-law to domestic abuse, losing a, my mom to disease just shortly after losing our son to cancer. Everyone thought that we had everything all together until they got to know what was really going on in our lives. In a short, brief illustration is that we're all in different seasons of life, and our husbands, no matter what situation, I want to show the difference in just relationships. <laughs> so we have just a few brief questions. So, honey, if you would hand um, these to us, and I'm so sorry, I, it's 12. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, Lord. And world peace. Yeah, sorry. And world peace. <laughs> you don't want to miss it. Okay. Shelly, you better watch out. I'm going to get you up here, too. Emil. Did Steve get one? Did he leave? Did you get, did you get one? Emil Norton calling. Oh. Emil Norton. Come on. If this... If this is your first time this Sunday, I promise this is not the norm. This is this. Okay, you have yours. Did I give you a pin? Okay. I don't know. Did you get one, honey? I knew I was leaving somebody <laughs> out. <laughs> okay. How much time? We are answering. I'm going to give you about a minute each question. We are answering for ourselves, and our husbands are answering for us. So, what's one thing? So I'm answering for me, right? You're answering for yourself. Can you hear me? Okay. That's what's good. one thing that I still hope to achieve in my lifetime? So, husbands, what's something you think your wife would still want to achieve in her lifetime? So is this realistic or is this, I mean, is this like something you could steal or just can it? It could be either one. <laughs> making it hard. So what's that one thing you think your wife would s would still want to do in, in this lifetime? Okay, 30 seconds. <laughs> okay, Doris. Um, We'll, we'll let you do yours first. Okay, okay. turn yours forward. So, um, I couldn't decide between two, so I actually have two. Sorry. That's perfect. A Broadway singer or an Olympic equestrian. If I could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sam, what'd you get? There's no wrong. <laughs> yes, that's what he got.
Okay, Heather. Um, I said I'd, I'd be a pilot. <laughs> Emil's My still writing. <laughs> Emil! <laughs> no cheating. I mean, that's close to a pilot. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. There you go. Okay. Brit, mine really shows the season of life we're in, but balance. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Yeah. <laughs> it would. That would. That would. That would we would have some yeah. kind of balance. Yeah. And mine's kids horse camp. Yeah. Ah, oh, impressive. Okay. Go Larry. Okay, we're gonna do one more. My two closest friends' names. We'll say closest friends here. Like closest friends here in Kodiak. My first one's Jenny Sue, obviously. But then Myra Leslie Fields and Heather Miller. So I kind of went the same. But <laughs> what did Steve say? What? Oh my gosh.